the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. How is everybody on this Memorial Day weekend, May 28th? Welcome to the show, my friends. We've got a packed one again today. Rather somber. We're going to start out rather somber because uh, of the tragedy that occurred in uh, Uvalde, Texas, right down the road here. We've got lots of friends in Uvalde. In fact, I'm hoping that we can get um, the mayor on the show sometime soon. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna start out the show. Um, let me let me tell you real quick. We're gonna start the show out with Randy Clark from Bright, Breitbart, who is uh, who uh, is a reporter for the border and who covered the entire situation. I mean, he was there uh, moments after it had uh, occurred, and he's been uh, very very active in covering it. So he, we're gonna hear. hear uh, his uh, his report at the uh, at the very very beginning of our show today. We also have Art Del Cueto. Art is the um, Border uh, Patrol National Council VP in Arizona. He's going to be chatting with us about what's going on in Arizona, my friends. Not a pretty picture. Not a pretty picture. Then we're going to switch switch gears a little bit. We've got um, uh, a new gentleman who's going to be with us, Mr. Uh, Richard Welch. Richard is a board member of the uh, gas <clears throat> of the gas and oil uh, workers association. They're taking a real hit with uh, the uh, whole situation with this uh, uh, green plan that the uh, liberals of the Democrats have put together. And um, they, uh, you know, they—he's going to be chatting with us about uh, about uh, the challenges that uh, the workers are fa- facing. Not to mention. The rest of us, uh, why we're, we're, we're in this predicament uh, with the uh, uh, lack of, of uh, drilling, with the lack of production of oil and gas, uh, our energy situation. We also have a new, uh, another new uh, guest with us. Uh, this is Mr. Sam Wiedner. And Sam is, uh, is uh, the coordinator, the high school coordinator uh, for Turning Point USA. Turning Point USA is um, an organization in D.C. that uh, reaches out specifically to young people to uh, try to uh, counter all of the liberal uh, indoctrination that they endure in schools. And uh, so we're going to hear from Sam. He's a brand new uh, guest for us. Our final guest is going to be Mr. Chip Roy, Congressman Chip Roy, uh, who is going to chat with us about what uh, uh, is has been going on at the house in in the house uh, up in D.C. regarding their efforts, my friends, their absolute crazy efforts to uh, try to address a problem problems that they created, problems with energy, problems with um, uh, high uh, spending. Uh, out-of-control spending, we would say. Problems with the baby formula. These folks, my friends, uh, it, it, it's such a, a typical a typical Marxist Saul Alinsky playbook that they've got where they create a problem and then they, uh, they, they pretend to solve it. And uh, so um, Chip is going to, Congressman Roy is going to be talking to us uh, about the, uh, the vote that took place uh, to uh, help Ukraine and uh, all the bells and whistles that were attached to it 
by the Democrats because they can never pass a bill that's that's clean and simple. No, they have to add to it, and that's what kills these bills, my friends, because these bills are so laden with spending that uh, it, it they, that they become impossible to be accept. They're they're just not acceptable. They're not acceptable, and I agree with 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 Congressman Roy. So uh, once again, welcome to the show, my friends. I want to tell everybody that. Uh, uh, come the 1st of June, we're going to have a new, uh, we're going to be having a new sponsor. Uh, our new sponsor is going to be FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, because uh, yours truly, our show has become one of the premier uh, programs in the country, if not the premier country uh, program in the country regarding immigration issues and border security. <clears throat> uh, they've taken us under their wing. Uh, we will no longer be uh, sponsored uh, by Border Hawk News. Now we're going to be sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform. And I'm going to encourage everyone, as soon as they, they come on board with us, I'm going to encourage everyone to please support us through them. So, folks, welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Call your friends and tell them to join us. Let's go to our first guest this afternoon, uh, Mr. Randy Clark from Breitbart. I've got uh, my good friend Randy Clark from Breitbart, reporter uh, from Breitbart, and uh, I wanted to reach out to him because Randy has been reporting uh, on the tragedy in uh, Uvalde this past uh, Monday, or, or Tuesday rather, and uh, we wanted to get uh, an update, get his uh, what he has found out so far. Uh, because there are a lot of uh, a lot of rumors, a lot of uh, speculation running around. So, Randy, thank you for taking time to uh, talk to us. I, I know how busy busy you've been down there. Um, tell us tell us what you can. What have you found out about this tragedy? Well, first of all, you know, obviously this is a, a tragedy the likes of which most of America hasn't seen, but much less us here in South Texas. So, uh, you know, we certainly are praying for the families of the children that were involved, the two teachers. What we know now is this started evolving uh, mid-morning on Tuesday at about 11.32, according to authorities, is when the first contact with the suspect was initiated by local authorities in Uvalde, Texas. Uh, an 18-year-old young man, and I'm going to not mention his name, uh, was involved in a domestic dispute. Uh, he shot his grandmother, uh, was obviously in possession of weapons and ammunition, fled the scene, and sought refuge in a school. We don't know if that was a, a target of his, but he certainly had enough ammunition to carry out the horrific acts that we now know he did. Uh, he entered the school. Authorities responded. Uh, there were numerous uh, agencies that, that came to assist from Texas Department of Public Safety, Uvalde Police Department, Sheriff's Department, uh, the school police department, and also the Border Patrol. Uh, ultimately, uh, within less than an hour, the target, the individual, was, was neutralized by Border Patrol agents who breached into the building and engaged him in gunfire there. Uh, the, the latest update is that there are a total of 19 children who were killed between the ages of seven and nine, it was a it was a second to fourth grade campus, Robb Elementary in Uvalde, Texas, and there were two adult teachers that were killed in that attack. Also, so that's twenty one, not including the teacher who were who were killed in yesterday's horrific event. Now, one of the things that has uh, that's very very interesting about this whole situation is, first of all, um, how the border patrol agents engaged this individual. You know. Um, you would automatically think, of course, that sheriff, local sheriff or local police would take action. But in this case, it was a, a Border Patrol agent. The second thing that I've heard is that there are many, many Border Patrol families that live in Uvalde because of the large uh, presence and uh, that they live there. And uh, a lot of them have, have children that attended this school. That, that's correct. Uh, along the border from San Diego all the way to Brownsville, uh, in many communities, especially in some of those rural areas, the, the Border Patrol is the largest uniformed law enforcement agency in the area. So it's not unusual on a day-to-day -day basis for Border Patrol agents to respond 
to request for assistance from local communities uh, because they dwarf those other agencies. And in this case, Uvalde is one of those communities where uh, it, it, the border patrol there is going to outnumber. And if you look at the surrounding vicinity, communities within an hour or less from there, you literally have hundreds of uniformed border patrol agents on duty at any time of the day, night and day. So it's something that we do, but we understand that. The border patrol understands that. They, they train together, and in my experience with the border patrol, we, we actually conduct the active shooter training uh, to respond to these situations because we, we've got the people to send away to specialized training and come back and service the rally point. I know in Eagle Pass, you know, we have almost 600 border patrol agents that live in the Eagle Pass area, and we've trained the local police department, local sheriff's department, and school PDs. In addition to other training they've sought out, we work together and, and do the drills together because we realize that if this thing is going to happen, it, it's going to involve multiple agencies. And in this case, yesterday, that's exactly what unfolded. You had a, a multiple agencies responding to this, and it's chaotic because information is coming from a lot of different agencies and individuals and so this this was a chaotic situation yesterday and, and one that nobody hopes to ever see so my heart goes out not only to these families and the children but to those officers that had to witness something yesterday that no one really should the other the other point of confusion that occurred uh, initially um was that um this uh, the shooter apparently um had uh, sped down the street and then crashed into uh, the school property and uh, and bailed out and and fled into the into the building. Uh, apparently, there were a lot of people that reported that this was another uh, illegal alien uh, smuggler being chased and uh, careening into crashing into the into the school. Um, it, are there that many? Uh, chases on the streets of Uvalde that people automatically make these assumptions? Well, there are that many chases going on in almost every community along the border from Uvalde to Carrizo Springs to Brackettville, Texas, to Eagle Pass, Texas, to Del Rio. It's something that has become so prevalent and that's part of the confusion when you have multiple agencies. If there is a failure to yield amongst law enforcement right now, we have found out in my reporting and through experience, the assumption immediately goes to a nexus to the border. Uh, it, it's rare that there's going to be a pursuit that doesn't have some nexus to the border involved in it, especially for Uvalde. They're, they're dealing with injured migrants on trains in their train yards. They're dealing with pursuits coming through town uh, because they're in the corridor to get to San Antonio. So I, I can see where that would have been some initial confusion. The other thing is uh, a, a con the confusion that, uh, well, I don't know if it's confusion, but there's a rumor that um, the family of the shooter, of the alleged shooter, uh, that the family is uh, in the U.S. Um, without papers and that uh, the individual himself is, uh, is an undocumented alien. Uh, have you heard anything about that? Yes, that was obviously another rumor, and, and so far there is absolutely no truth to that that we understand. Uh, I mean, of course, this is this crime scene is still cordoned off. Roads have been blocked off. The timeline of this entire incident and everybody involved is going certainly to be this, the source of the investigation and the focus of the investigation over the days and weeks to come. So there's a lot that we don't know, but that's also another rumor that quickly came out that that uh, is more than likely not based in any fact at all. Gotcha. Um, one last question because, uh, you know, we we are quite annoyed by the fake news. Uh, one of the talking heads on MSNBC yesterday, uh, shortly after the announcement of the, of the shooting, uh, said that, this, that because Uvalde is a majority Hispanic community, uh, I'm not, you know, and I'm trying to follow her thought, but she said that because Uvalde is a majority Hispanic community, that some type of immigration reform must be enacted immediately. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, absolutely preposterous. Uh, we obviously know this is apples and oranges. This doesn't have anything to do with with immigration. Uh, it, it's it's pretty despicable that we make jumps to get to a political goalpost for for anybody that's a, a politician right now. Right now, you know, these poor parents are grieving, and uh, and I think the best thing that anybody can do. 
uh, is to keep politics out of it for now. Let them grieve. They'll, you know, we have time to look at solutions, but the solutions are beyond one side, the right or the left of politics. It really sits in the middle. And, and we should be having an adult conversation of what we can do. You know, can we harden these facilities? Uh, can, can we get the help for some of these mentally ill people that, that they need and they obviously aren't getting? Because this is not a sane individual. I think anybody can admit that. These are, these are actions that amplify some anger. And, uh, and we need to take, take a look at that. You know, we've had lockdowns in schools. It's affected a lot of young adults that are teenagers right now that are coming into adulthood. Uh, there's so many facets of this that are going to go into to trying to get to a solution that we haven't found yet. It certainly is beyond one single solitary issue. You got it, buddy. Anything else you'd like to add and tell us where they can follow you? Uh, I can be followed at uh, Randy Clark. BBTX on Twitter. Uh, you can find all the stories I do on this incident and others at uh, Breitbart.com at the Cartels Chronicle page. Uh, and we try and keep everybody posted and apprised of what's going on along the border and in the state of Texas and across the country. You got it, buddy. Once again, we've been speaking with our good friend Randy Clark from Breitbart uh, here in Texas. Brand- Randy, thank you very much and stay safe, buddy. Thank you, George. Once again, George Lovadiquez and Conservador talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez at Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, folks. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Welcome, my friends. We've got our good friend, Mr. Art Del Cueto, who is the vice president of the Border Patrol Council, and he is based in Arizona. Now, we have heard from folks uh, in South Texas. I wanted to ask him, what is the difference of what he is seeing versus what's happening uh, on the South Texas border. Because this morning, uh, as usual, we watched uh, Fox News and Newsmax and a few others uh, showing pictures of tons of people crossing the border, crossing the river, should I say. But, Art, you know, I'm just kind of curious what is happening in your neck of the woods, because I've lived in in Arizona, I've lived in Mesa, and I've lived in, in Flagstaff, and, you know, that's wide open country over there. What's, what's the no, difference? <laughs> what's going on, buddy? No, it truly is. Uh, and I thank you for having me on. I really appreciate being on your show. Um, many people don't know I have a lot of family in San Antonio. So, um, and they listen to the show, so it's always good to be on your show. And then they say, hey, we heard you. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> um, and, and again, I mean, obviously, I'm a vice president of the National Border Patrol Council, so I represent agents throughout the entire United States. Uh, but yeah, I'm based out here. I live out here in Arizona. And I'll tell you what the differences are. It's, it's just a visual thing. Uh, and, and I really appreciate all the media outlets that are, are sharing the stories. They're you know, bringing the national attention to what's happening on the border because it's important. But I think one of the frustrating parts being out here in Arizona is, so Arizona still leads the country when it comes to gotaways, right? Wow. And, and a lot of people don't want to report that. And I've had reporters out here from different news medias that'll see it and they'll, they'll, they'll and they're very open about it and they've told me they say all right the problem is like it's about visual right and and i can't get you a visual on gotaways because they got away uh, it's just it's numbers that are shown uh we, we show gaps of where it's at and and what people don't get the difference out here is a lot of the groups are still running from agents so they're not just turning themselves in they, they still run away from the agents. They don't want to get caught. Um, as opposed to out there, a lot of those in, individuals are turning themselves in. Uh, but also, the processing area. So, wh- as you said, you know, it's wide open out here. So, a lot of times, 
when they do get large groups that end up turning themselves in, right, the agents are now going to have to take care of processing those individuals. So the drive from the remote areas that agents work in Arizona to processing centers, sometimes it's over a two-hour drive. And then you have to secure uh, vehicles that will transport. Because remember, it's in the middle of nowhere. A lot of times you need four-wheel drive to get out there. So all that is now time on hand at the actual border where agents are not going to be able to be because they're busy processing. Sometimes individuals, when they get hurt, it, people don't understand. It's the same agents that now are assigned to the hospital watches and watching the agent, the aliens at the hospitals. So that entire time, that causes these major gaps on on the border, specifically, obviously, in Arizona, where even some of the cities and towns are far away. So you don't have people that can just call their local law enforcement and say, hey, I got these people running through this part of my yard. It's, it's just a very different and more difficult situation and that's why you're getting the majority of the gotaways out here that's why you're getting so many drugs that are coming through these areas and and people don't see that frustration specifically that the agents are having to deal with out here knowing hey i'm going to go out to the field i'm going to catch a, a large group now i got to worry about transport now i got to leave the area and i won't be back till tomorrow so there's hours where those gaps are left wide open wow and I would imagine that that uh, the the cartels, as well as the coyotes and all of them, everybody knows that that's 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 the process that's going to happen. So let's take advantage of it, I guess. Definitely. I mean, they do it on purpose. And, and I know we've heard the line many times. Nothing comes across without the drug traffickers controlling it. And, and that's 100 percent true. You have individuals that work south of the border in the Mexican side. They run the drugs. They run the human smuggling element. And what they do is they sit there and they wait for people to cross. And they, they charge a fee from those that are in charge of bringing the groups through. And they also say, hey, this is the time you can cross them. This is the time you can't cross them. And they coordinate that with the time that they're going to bring their drugs across or at the same time they're going to bring the, the the hardcore undesirables that may have a serious criminal record and they're not able to come into the country now they're trying to sneak in uh it's this is how insane it is so <clears throat> back before a lot of these cartels and the drug smuggling organizations and i'm just going to throw out a number uh, it, it's not like the pinpoint the exact number but let's just say five thousand per person right so they would charge 5000 per person and they'd say, give us 5000 uh, for this individual. I'll cross him into the United States and I'll take him to his destination, right? Nowadays, it's the same thing. It's still the same price, but it's easier for them because they say, all I got to worry about is tell you when to cross and where to cross. Uh, turn yourself over to a Border Patrol agent, and then the Border Patrol agents and the agency and the United States government, in a, in a sense, is the one that's going to transport you where you want to go anyway. Wow. But, and so these guys are just making the same amount of money and, and not spending the, uh, you know, the cost of, of doing business. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, what do you anticipate? I mean, it obvious, it's obvious that things are bad. Um, we've, we've only got about four minutes to go here, but... Can you explain, I mean, what, what do you think is going to happen when, uh, if and when they lift uh, Title 42? Because it's obvious things are bad enough right there. How bad is, right. can it get? So, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people out here, obviously, and they said, you know, uh, well, well over 50% of the individuals that are being caught right now here in, in Tucson area are being sent back through Title 42, right? Um, with Title 42 going away, and I, I get it, and I know people are going to hear me and some people are going to say that's crazy, but people need to understand the severity of this. Uh, when they remove Title 42, it will be the equivalent of turning over the keys to your front door to every single drug cartel that wants to enter your home. That's how chaotic it's going to be because it's it's going to be basically just a free-for-all. And it's not just Title 42 because a lot of people put emphasis on the Title 42, but you need to bring back a lot of the, the Trump-era policies. And, and, I, and I guess I shouldn't even call them Trump-era policies because people freak out. Uh, we should bring back the policies that work 
that are written on the books that are laws to protect the American people. Yep, to protect us from diseases, from criminals, and from illegal immigration in general. My gosh, what a thought. Correct. <laughs> Art, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us as usual. Uh, anything else you'd like to add before we let you go? No, I mean, you know, just keep keep praying. Keep praying for our country. Keep praying for those agents out there. And because it is a tough job, and now more than ever, we keep seeing that it's 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 a lot of to a lot of people. It's about making the buck. It's about getting the ratings, and uh, it it should be about making sure that we ask the right questions uh, to those people that are in charge that are going to give you a straight answer. Because it's the future of our country. It's the future of our kids, and it's very very much at stake right now. You got it, buddy. Have a good one. Folks, we've been speaking to uh, our good friend, Mr. Art El Cueto, who is Vice President of the Border Patrol Council, National Border Patrol Council. And uh, you stay safe and uh, our regards and support to all of the agents. Thank you so much, Jorge. I appreciate it. Stay safe. God bless. And uh, I throw real stories out all the time, so if people want to follow me on my Instagram, I'd appreciate it. You got it. What is the Instagram? It is uh, uh, Art Del Cueto, official Art Del Cueto page on Instagram. You got it. Thank you very much. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from South Texas in San Antonio. He keeps slashing and trashing our, our oil and gas industry while at the same time promoting the same industry overseas by wanting to buy their product that's made less environmentally friendly and at a higher price and then to have to burn the fossil fuels to bring it back to the United States so that we can keep our truckers on the road. It's preposterous and I've never seen anything like it except for 2008 Obama. Now, they keep talking about this situation. I mean, here in San Antonio, the liberal city council members have been harping about the pollution uh, having gone down since the pandemic, and that's because nobody was driving. And now they're harping about the pollution uh, going down. And, you know, again, not too many people are driving their trucks. We have one... Uh, county commissioner that made the comment here in Bear County that uh, uh, Texans needed to, to learn to give up their trucks. What do you? I mean, when you hear that kind of stuff, what do you think? Well, I mean, that that's like asking a Texan to give up his his sidearm. <laughs> you know, trucks in Texas are synonymous with one another, and and uh, I think 82 percent of Texas households have a truck. Uh, for for somebody in, in legislation to even make that kind of comment just shows you how out of touch with reality they really are. They keep the, the Biden administration continues to say that they are doing everything possible to bring down the, uh, the, 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 the price of gasoline and to make gasoline more available. Uh, but when you look at to the price of gasoline, what they want to talk about is... Uh, is giving subsidies but not drilling more. Uh, what do you? If you were president, what would you do? I would open everything up, drill on federal lands, import what we need to import, release all of the the regulations on these producing companies, so that we can get things back right. Things are so far from right right now, with canceling the Keystone not letting us drill, and then taking away our federal permits, even in Alaska, it's just crippling us. And then he's released half of our Federal Reserve and not given us the opportunity to put it back. Well, so the supply is lower, but the demand is just the same. Fuel prices are going to do nothing but rise under this administration. What about this this whole thing about um, uh, that uh, our gas doesn't pollute as much as the gas that they want to buy from uh, from from uh, Russia or from Iran. Uh, I mean, you know, from our enemies. Well, that's a proven fact. 
the United States produces natural gas cleaner than any other country on the planet. So that argument that they, they have is moot. We do it the best, we do it the cleanest, we do it the most effective and the safest. And if you can't buy it from here and you want to buy it from some other dirty country, then you're a hypocrite and you have no business in any kind of energy legislation. What's wrong with America being America being energy independent? Well, they don't want us to be number one on anything. And, and uh, cutting us back cripples Americans and it empowers our adversaries and, and that's what they want. That's the whole purpose of the WEF is to make everything global and they want to tear down America so that we, we're not strong. You got it. Anything you'd like to add before we let you go, buddy? Get involved. When you, when you see all of these policies coming out on the news or in your community impact paper, we have a duty as citizens to speak out about these things. Because if you don't, it's going to continue to happen. Every American needs to start getting involved, not only for you, but for your generations to come. Got it. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Richard Welch, who is with the Oil Gas Workers Association. Thank you very much, Richard. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. On KLUP 930 AM radio here in San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, and we've got a new uh, we've got a new guest with us, Mr. Sam Widener, and Sam is both uh, with Turning Point uh, USA. With Turning Point, he is the high school coordinator, or and uh, then he is also the uh, Northeast, or I believe he's going to be the Northeast uh, representative for. High School Republican, the High School Republican Fe, uh, Federation, and uh, I wanted to get him on the show and talk to him because uh, we see a lot of problems with young conservatives on high schools and in colleges. So, Sam, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit how the how did you journey to uh, become a young conservative like you are? First of all, George, thank you so much for having me on the show. But I really got involved in politics back in the 2016 election, and I'll be honest, I absolutely despised watching the news, politics in general. But when there were the Republican and Democrat primary debates for the presidency back in 2016, I was just naturally drawn to the Republican primary debates. And ever since then, I've just been fascinated with politics, working my way up to the end of middle school, beginning of high school, starting to work on several political campaigns, everything from Board of Supervisors all the way up to President with the 2020 presidential election. So that's pretty much how I got to where I am now, and I just love politics, love being involved, and love reaching out to people and getting others involved as well. So this is... uh, now, Now, explain to us what... What do you think? I mean, when when you're out there organizing and counseling and talking to young people, what are the things that you hear? What are the things that they're telling you about um, uh, being a conservative in high school? Absolutely. So a lot of people say that they don't want to make school political or they don't want to politicize school. The issue with that (laughs) is that school is already so political and it is in favor of liberal agendas. So, of course, we need to push back as conservatives and kind of even the playing field. 
But, you know, another thing that they bring up is they're interested, but they just don't want to be as involved as what they should. So motivation is a real factor in kids not being involved. They're interested in it, but they don't want to get motivated to actually do something. And so I try to encourage young people as much as I can to try to get involved. And even though they may not be motivated, I try to work themselves up to where they are motivated. So, uh, in, in, in getting motivated, I mean, um, let's face it, there's going to be a backlash. The minute that you organize a conservative group, there's going to be a backlash uh, or resistance. Uh, do you pre- how do you prepare the, these young people for, you know, that there's going to be resistance, that they're going to possibly get uh, name-calling on, or even threats? You know, that is something that happens so much within high school and college campuses. We look at Wisconsin right now. There is a sexual harassment investigation within three middle school students for calling somebody by improper pronouns. And we're seeing stuff like that all across the country. And, of course, me personally being a rising senior at my local high school, I've been called too political. I've been called too conservative. I've lost many friends. People don't like me because of it. That's just something that comes with the game of politics. But it is so important to get kids involved because this is ultimately our future. The generations that we see leading America today are not going to be leading America forever. So, of course, it is very important to get these younger generations involved, regardless of what pushback they may have, whether it is from other friends, people that work at the school, or people just out in the general public, we need to recognize the fact that it is okay to be different and have differing opinions than those of the left. That's so true. Well, my friend, uh, anything that you'd like to add before we let you go? Any Anything else that you'd like to tell the folks? Uh, tell, well, yeah, let's tell them about your organization and how they can uh, get, in, get in contact and how they might uh, be able to uh, get support from it. Yeah, absolutely. So there are many ways to get involved with politics, whether it is just showing up to school board meetings, local GOP meetings, anything to get involved. And of course, for those of you that are turning 18, it is so important that you sign up and register to vote because that is where your voice is going to count the most. If you're not 18 quite yet, it is okay. You can do things such as door knocking on campaigns, phone banking, going to banquets and galas, there are so many opportunities for young conservatives to get involved. As far as organizations, there are so many organizations. High School Republicans, Turning Point USA, which is the one of the largest youth conservative organizations in the United States. There is, I believe, the Students for Life organization. So many great organizations. Just go to their website. They should have a way to get in contact with somebody. We're for you to leave your name, email, phone number, to have somebody get in contact with them. So, so many great ways to get involved. It's just a matter of these organizations being able to push the word out there to students that they exist and that they can get involved in ways such as joining an organization like Turning Point USA. You got it. We've been speaking with uh, Mr. Sam Widener, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sam Widener out of Virginia. And uh, Sam uh, is with uh, Turning Point USA as well as with the High School Republican Federation. Thank you very, very much for being with us, Sam. We will be in touch as uh, there are any hot issues that pop up we want to get you on the show to, to tell us about. Thank you so much, George. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from South Texas in San Antonio. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism. Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. 
talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Congressman Chip Roy, from the uh, 21st Congressional District here in Texas. And uh, I wanted to reach out to him because, as usual, the fake news is uh, carrying on about him and uh, Congressman uh, Louis Gohmert having voted against a uh, bill that supposedly that was presented in the House to uh, address the issue of the baby formula shortage. However, there are several things, as usual, that are not mentioned. Congressman, thank you very, very much for joining us. Tell us about this uh, bill that was proposed and uh, why you were against it. Well, George, I appreciate it. I mean, look, everybody understands what we're dealing with with respect to a formula shortage, but but there's a lot of hysteria. Uh, for example, there's a lot of uh, off-brand uh, formula, meaning uh, you know, sort of a Target brand or a you know HEB brand or whatever uh, formula that remains available. We have some uh, shortages of the sort of quote brand names uh, as a, as a direct result of some issues that Abbott had. Uh, in making it, and the, but importantly, the FDA regulations uh, surrounding what they could or couldn't do in getting back up and rolling in production, as well as other regulations prohibiting entries into the market, as well as other regulations about who can buy it. Uh, and here's the deal. Washington, in classic Washington fashion, wanted to pass a piece of legislation to be able to say, quote, we're doing something. The fact is they were just throwing more money, the very spending that is driving up the cost of goods and inflation, which is killing, uh, you know, the ability of, of families and moms and people to be able to afford uh, the, the, the stuff for their kids, including formula and clothes and all the things that are uh, costing Americans because of inflation. Uh, the Washington did its thing and it spent more money. There were two bills. There was an overall FDA bill Democrats put forward that basically would have sent another $28 million to the FDA with instructions essentially to figure it out. After the agents, agency's already proven that they've been botching it, uh, and, and then keep in mind, the FDA got a $102 million increase in the fiscal year 22 year. Well, we're just literally throwing money at bureaucrats, whether it's NIH, CDC. Uh, I, we could talk about Ukraine and all the money that we're spending in the State Department. We just gave a whole bunch more money to the FDA. They didn't get it right. Now they want to give them more money so they can say they did something. I'm not going to do that. There was a second bill, the WIC bill. I don't think most Americans know that 52% of formula is sold to moms through the WIC program, okay? Uh, and and that, that ought to be alarming. But what was going to happen with the WIC bill was it was going to force uh, WIC participants to compete with the 50% of families that pay for formula out of their pocket. It was going to contort the market. It wasn't going to add any real value, and it was going to, frankly, risk. Um, it wasn't going to do anything to, to, to address the monopoly the WIC program has created, uh, and then it was going to empower the executive branch to waive all the rules in the first place, and Congress should stop ceding authority to the executive branch. Look, there were so many reasons to vote against it, but as usual, most of my colleagues, including colleagues on my side of the aisle, said, oh gosh, it has moms and babies in the name of the bill, I have to vote for it. Well, that's <laughs> ridiculous, and I don't accept that premise. <laughs> that's so so true. I mean, uh, Congresswoman uh, DeLauro from Connecticut wanted to give uh, $28 million to um, to the FDA, uh, and, uh, I mean, rather than giving $28 million to the FDA, why not just remove uh, the regulations that are, that are impeding uh, the distribution of the, of the formula as well as the, the uh, production of the formula? I don't understand that. Well, that's exactly right, and that, they, they had no uh, even mention of the regulatory burden in the process. And, and, and again, with the WIC process, every state, when they have a WIC program, they have to basically designate one manufacturer to be the WIC manufacturer. Well, they were going to drop the regulations to allow another manufacturer to be the WIC manufacturer, but that was going to have the effect of basically crowding out other uh, manufacturers for non-WIC families. Now, look, uh, we want to take care of everybody, not just people on WIC and not people who aren't on WIC, and you do that by increasing and expanding production, getting regulations out of the way, changing some of the import rules, uh, allowing more European import. Uh, but frankly, the entire system is a mess because of what Democrats and what the federal government has been doing. All this bill would have done was doubled down on stupid, spent more money, and it would have been a real problem. <laughs> Let me ask you uh, another another uh, about another recent situation. Um, FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, uh, and other folks who are uh, uh, conservatives looking at, uh, at, at the border crisis right now, they were applauding your comments uh, last week, I believe, uh, in, in, in the House uh, regarding the border crisis. What do you think about the border crisis and this whole, I mean, this whole idea of lifting 
uh, Title 42, I mean, they're challenging the lifting of the, the, the uh, court order that, that said they can't lift it. Now they're challenging it. Uh, I, I just don't understand this, uh, this administration. Well, let's be clear. So today was the day that Title 42 was set to expire. You know and I know, and your very educated audience knows, that the reality is even with Title 42 enforcement going on, our border is under siege. Texas is under siege. 8,000 people a day were apprehended in April. Even with Title 42 enforcement, you had an enormous number of individuals released into the United States under Title Eight. something like 117,000. You had, you know, 90,000 or so turned away under Title 42, but that still means the flood is coming and you still have, uh, what, almost 4,000 a day being released into the United States. That's not counting the 2,000 a day gotaways. That's not talking about the 1,300 pounds of fentanyl that was apprehended or seized, but how much fentanyl got through and was not apprehended or seized. This is the reality of our border, and they know it, and they don't care. So now the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, the same Merrick Garland is perfectly content targeting parents because they dare challenge the school board. That Merrick Garland has also said, oh, you can come to the United States and claim asylum, and you can claim mental health issues even if you have violent crimes on your record. He's fine with all of this. He wants an open border, so of course they're going to challenge Title 42 enforcement because they don't want to have any limits on the flow into the United States to falsely claim asylum, flood the zone, and uh, end up getting released to the United States, which is what they're doing. It is really, really disturbing, the numbers that are coming in and complete uh, ignorance, I guess, or or not ignorance, complete uh, uh, dismay of the, uh, you know, or dis- disregard of America's uh, safety regarding uh, whether it's diseases, ter- terrorists, or criminals, or just illegal immigration, for crying out loud. Do you think that there is any light at the tunnel at this point other than uh, an election in November? Well, sadly, I'm not even sure the election is light at the end of the tunnel if Republicans aren't willing to fight. True. Look, the fact of the matter is, if you keep giving money to the Biden administration and the Department of Homeland Security, and you don't put in riders and restrictions demanding that they uh, follow certain rules and laws, and if you don't uh, empower states and AGs to be able to hold the line and um, fight back, if you don't empower governors to enforce the law, then I don't know who's going to enforce the law, right? Because... The Republicans keep shrugging their shoulders and say, well, uh, we don't have control of the executive branch. It's like, well, you know, the founders gave you power of the purse. So let's just say this. How about a preview for the election this November? Will Republicans have the courage heading into an election to have a fight in September about whether we should fund the very Department of Homeland Security that refuses to enforce the laws of the United States? And the fact is, most Republicans will wilt up and cower in the corner saying, well, we can't have a shutdown fight heading into an election. And so they refuse to use the very powers the founders gave us, the main power, right? The power of the purse. That is our main power, that and oversight. But oversight is pretty much having hearings and exposing uh, the the brokenness or the uh, corruption that's going on in the, in the federal government. So um, that's the deal. We need to win the election in November, but we got to hold Republicans accountable to fight. Yeah, I mean, I keep wondering, you know, if, if, uh, if uh, Republicans win, uh, not only the, the House and the Senate, but also the White House, are they going to have the guts, and I'll use that phrase, the guts, to uh, not only, I, I, it, it's not only to stop the spending, to reverse the policies. I mean, we need to reverse all these policies. And I'm not sure if, they, if they'll have that, uh, the, you know, the, the stamina and fortitude to do that. Well, you know, we'll see. I mean, the, the, on the upside, there's a lot. There's a growing uh, group or, 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 you know, block in the House of Representatives Republican Conference that understand that we have a duty to fight. That we have a duty to stand up and do the right thing. Um, but you know, look, we only had 57 Republicans willing to say, "Hey, why are we writing a 40 billion dollar blank check for Ukraine?" Right? If you go back to the funding bill that was agreed to back in March. When we wanted to have a fight, a group of us wanted to have a fight 
on funding the government with respect to the mandatory vaccines that were causing our men and women in uniform to lose their jobs, uh, causing Border Patrol to lose their jobs at a time when we desperately need them. You know, you still only had a fraction of the Republican conference willing to stand up and fight and defund the government. They were just perfectly happy to say, oh, well, we got to fund it. You know, stuff's going on in Ukraine. And, well, we just got to do it. And we got to just win elections in, in November. Look, I get tired of hearing people talking about taking back the House or taking back the Senate. We got to take back America. And that starts by standing up and fighting and going to the floor and forcing votes and forcing some pain on the Democrats who are eating this stuff and demanding that we do the right thing. Stop funding a government that is screwing the American people every single day. You got it. Folks, this is why he is my congressman. (laughs) Thank you very, very much, Congressman, for taking time to be with us today. Uh, Keep up the good work, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. You too, George. You keep shining the light on all this stuff. You're you're uh, a critical part of this of this fight, and, and God bless you, my friend. Thank you once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and we've been speaking with our good friend, Congressman Chip Roy from the 21st District here in Texas. Folks, thank you once again for joining us. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. What's really irritating on this, and I've got to say this before we go, is how despicable it is that the Democrats use every tragedy to try to push their agenda, their anti-gun, anti-law enforcement, whatever it is, whatever the agenda is, they try to push it. It is absolutely despicable the way that uh, that Beto O'Rourke uh, interrupted a, uh, a, a press conference that was being held uh, in Uvalde by the uh, governor of Texas, and, and, you know, in the middle of the of, of the event, I mean, he goes and starts screaming and accusing the uh, governor of not doing enough. There is a time and place for all things, but not to the immature and insecure Democrats, not to them. They have got to do political theater wherever they get a chance. I will tell everyone once again, my friends, that the Second Amendment is sacred to us because it is our our. Uh, ability to defend ourselves from government and from and from uh, any enemy from anybody uh, any criminal and this is what the 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 simple-minded democrats wanted accuse an inanimate object of being responsible guess what this shooter was mentally ill and that's what they should address they should address criminals and the mentally ill not the, uh, the object that they used. We're going to have to talk about that a little bit more. But until then, my friends, thank you for joining us today. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Thank you for being with us. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.